This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. I'm Katie Henriksen, and you're listening to my podcast, Sound Off. In each episode, I go deep with people who make music that challenges the status quo. In this episode, that's Christopher Mallet and Thomas Flippin, who make up duo Noor. Their recent album, Night Triptych, is repertoire for the classical guitar, but all music they commissioned by women composers. Now, it's quite the exquisite album, and I played it a lot when I had a classical music radio show. That's the first time I had a chance to talk to both Christopher and Thomas about their fascinating experiences. Now, I can't wait to share that conversation with you, but first, this short break. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars, because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. As the duo explains, they led somewhat of parallel lives. They both grew up in Southern California and each had parents who exposed them to wide arrays of music at an early age. My first actual concert memory um, was, uh, you know, my dad taking me to a crazy jazz fusion concert in in San Diego. And, you know, like they exposed me to a lot of different genres, very young. So I was very open-minded. My parents bought me my first guitar when I was 13. And my dad plays a little bit of guitar and bass and we would just spend hours jamming together and constantly playing guitar together. And then I would just kind of continue into the night on my own playing electric guitar. For me, um, you know, I grew up in a musical household. Uh, my parents were not musicians. My mom was totally tone deaf as a singer, but they always played tons of music and like a lot of different music. So I remember like growing up, getting this awesome sense of rhythm because my dad would play terrible smooth jazz my mom would play, you know, like she loved the three tenors, but they'd also play like James Brown. It was like such a weird thing to grow up in. And then when I was I was younger, my parents took me to uh, an apostolic black church a lot. So I was, you know, constantly every week hearing, you know, like people singing gospel and praise songs and people clapping and like organ blast, you know, to highlight the preacher's sermon, you know, coming to a climax. So I, 
But all that to say, that was when I was younger. And then as I got older and became a teenager, I discovered, you know, like rock music and grunge and started teaching myself. You know, I saved up $30 of lunch money and got myself a guitar out of the back of a magazine because I wanted to play, you know, like Nirvana songs. She has me like a Pisces when I am weak. I belong inside your heart. And then one day my friend was like, hey, you know, you're really getting into this guitar thing. You should listen to this. After we had come back from the beach or something, he put on a recording of this good guy I'd never heard of, Andre Segovia, playing some incredible classical guitar piece. And immediately my whole life changed. Cause I didn't know you could do that. And I, you know, you don't get to choose what you fall in love with. But as soon as I heard that sound and heard that you could do that on a guitar, I just knew I had to do it. serious about classical guitar going to all these festivals and studying with all these teachers and never see anyone who ever looked like you who could play at a high level you know being the the only black person at any classical guitar festival then to be like placed in the situation where you're at you know like Yale at a summer music festival and you see like oh my god <laughs> like I'm not the only black person doing this in the entire country there's like another person who's like me and that like has like such a profound impact on you it's your first recording you went and commissioned all women composers uh speak a little bit to to that and why you decided that that's what you wanted to do it's building off of what we just said you know like uh you get this feeling of going to concerts and like never seeing anyone who's looks like you or comes from your background and it always immediately makes you wonder like do i belong in this space do i fit in here that fosters a lot of empathy and letting you see what other people's experience might be like in that same sort of situation. So uh, it was like in 2014, maybe 2015, one of my students gave me tickets to go see Eric Clapton's Guitar Fest or whatever the thing was called, Crossroads Guitar Fest at Madison Square Garden. And it was like 15 hours of guitarists playing, you know, pentatonic scales and shredding. And, you know, I went for one day and I was there for like four hours and it suddenly just dawned upon me you know, I saw with absolute clarity, like, oh my God, not a single guitarist here has been a woman. And it was just mind boggling to me because I think I had just seen like a video of Beyonce on tour with an incredible electric guitar uh, woman shredder. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson had toured the world with incredible electric guitarists who were women. So to like realize that like, man, no one in Eric Clapton's entire, you know, team even thought about this as being important. That that affected me. Shortly after that, a really prominent guitar society, the Classical Guitar Society, announced their season. And I looked at the brochure and it was eight concerts and every single person was a man. And it really struck me because I know so many talented, incredible classical guitar virtuosos who live in New York City, you know, because I lived in New York City for eight years. So that was mind boggling to me as well. So finally, I had talked to Chris about it and we were just like, man, we've got to do something about this. You know, it's 2015. I can't believe this stuff is still happening. You know, before we did our album, you know, I can maybe like on one hand, I can count the, the amount of female composers that have written for classical guitar. And it's just kind of crazy. It's something that I hope that other guitarists do. And 
And it's something that I, I hope that, you know, students and conservatories will start adding to their repertoire so this music starts to get spread more. It's, it's, I, I, don't want, I don't want us to be the only duo playing these pieces. I want these pieces, the next step, you know, is to get them out there and to have more and more guitars. Now maybe speak to the composers that are represented on, on this project. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <I think laughs> the, the coolest thing... Um, for me is that we we set out to find just absolutely brilliant composers who you know have some of the the most incredible training and resumes because oftentimes when you know like I'm observing people arguing about race and affirmative action and all this stuff on the internets and the interwebs you know someone always starts saying something like oh but we don't want to lower the quality and it's such a ridiculous argument but we kind of wanted to cut that argument off from the from the very outset. There's no no way anyone can argue against the quality of the pieces that all of these composers wrote, and no way that anyone can argue against the incredible level of training and knowledge and skill and mastery that every single composer we commissioned has. And what's cool about the composers, to get to your question, is, you know, they're from all over the world, and they're all writing in such completely different ways, but they have mastery in their own voices. And we encourage them to be weird if they wanted to be. So some of them, you know, would send us videos, you know, from across the country of them, like, using a, a blues guitar slide with their hands crisscrossed over the guitar. So, like, their left hand's over the sound hole where the right hand should be. Then they've got the slide on their right hand, and they're, like, doing this weird stuff with the guitar. Other people had jazz backgrounds. Like, a, an interesting story that Chris can probably jump in on is when we worked with Courtney Bryan, who has like incredible training from Columbia University in classical composition, but is also like a killer jazz. When she pianist. started sending us sketches of the piece. It was really, really exciting to to see the hybrid style that she brought to the guitar. I, when a lot of people write jazz, you know, I'm putting air quotes pieces for the guitar. They sound, you know, it sounds really contrived. It sounds really, you know, they're trying too hard, but. Courtney's piece is very natural. It's not trying to be a jazz piece. It's just kind of something in her own voice and it works so well.
you know, the first composer we commissioned for this project was Clarice Assad. I really wanted to get Clarice. She's one of my just all-time favorite composers, and she's she's written for guitar in the past. She's she's a pianist, also plays some jazz, but you know, her piece is definitely not just my one of my favorites on the album, but maybe one of my favorite guitar duo pieces written. And I've actually had several people reach out to me, prominent guitarists, saying like, "This is the probably the best classical guitar piece written since." Tango Suite, which was written by Astor Piazzolla.
speak now to this moment that we are living in. It's pretty crazy. We have a pandemic and a protest movement that's erupted about the inequities and systemic racism. They, all this stuff, all this is happening right now. I, I mean, what what has this been like for you guys? For me and for Thomas, and I think for a lot of black people, it's something that it's always been there on my mind. And I've always thought about it. You know, I, I, like since I was in middle school playing electric guitar, when people would come up to me, would come up to me and say like, wow, you know, that's cool you play guitar, man. You know, like that, you know, since your dad's black, you know, I thought that you would listen to rap. And I'd be like, what? The first couple of months that this was happening, like I, I was suffering from like severe insomnia and anxiety. And then like George Floyd happened and Breonna Taylor happened. And it just feels like a... I don't know, it felt pretty bleak for a while that things aren't going to change, you know? It was six years ago that Michael Brown was killed, and that really affected me back then. So I actually took, like, one of his rap songs, a melody from it, I turned it into a, a piece for guitar students near his high school that we had visited a few months before he died so that the kids in that community could play it and, you know, like, reflect on Michael Brown and life in St. Louis and all these things. And I, I never imagined that six years later, we would be living through the exact same sort of racial conflict.
it's been really frustrating to see people that I admire and who are in positions of, you know, like prominence in my field posting stuff like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get it, but all lives matter. And I just have a problem with people saying black lives matter. And not even just that, but then to see <laughs> dozens of other classical guitarists from around the country who are friends with them and follow them chiming in in the comments being like, yeah, it's not about race at all. It's about class. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth to shoulder that responsibility and that weight to correct people about this in such a public forum. That all lives matter and, uh, you know, it's just about class argument is is just, it is patently false and almost verges on, on absurd. But what they're really saying when they say that to me is that they're saying that they they have an anti-black bias, that they they can't even take a moment to acknowledge that a black life has any value at all without also turning the conversation to themselves or to how they were an immigrant who had a tough upbringing, so they had it hard too, therefore their life matters, and detracting from the issue at hand. And I just feel like people have been talking a little bit recklessly about this stuff in ways that are, are harmful and perpetuate stereotypes and biases um, that we're working hard to try and resolve right now. That's Christopher Mallet and Thomas Flippin, who perform and record as the classical guitar duo, Duo Noor. The release I've highlighted in today's Sound Off is called Night Triptych on New Focus Recordings. I'm Katie Hendrickson. You've been listening to Sound Off, conversations with people who make music challenging the status quo. Hybrid sounds that just don't quite fit in any one place. Speaking of hybrid, I'm a hybrid person myself. I love to look at the intersection of art, literature, and music to tell us what it means about living in the 21st century. It also means I write a lot. You can join my Substack newsletter as a companion to SoundOff. Become a subscriber at soundoff.substack.com. SoundOff is a production of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. Until next time, I hope you keep resonating with that great force that connects us all. Mm-hmm.